Welcome again to the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast. I am Nene White, and this episode is quite personal for me, and it might touch a chord for you as well. Recently, two dear friends of mine gave birth to their second child, and their first children, who had been the center of the parents' attention, were having a time with adjusting to their new life with a new family member, one who required a lot of attention and energy. Are you hearing me? Why is this topic on the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast so important in my view? Because I am sure you know this, and I'm sure you know this, social emotional learning and development needs to start way before school age, looking at things from others' perspective, exercising patience and consideration, being true to feelings without negatively impacting others. All those life lessons and much more need to be exercised very early in life, in age-appropriate ways, of course, as soon as relevant situations arise that require more big-picture and inclusive responses that feel right and fair and make sense to the older sibling. My return guest to help us uh, unpack a little bit of this um, very important topic is Deborah Stewart. She's a highly respected and well-loved preschool and pre-kindergarten teacher, and she's a grandmother. Listen as Deborah shares her experiences and wisdom with unbounded generosity. Today, it is my true and genuine happy pleasure to re-welcome Deborah Stewart. Thank you again for joining us. It's my pleasure. Just always love being here with you. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Deborah is a mother. How many children do you have, Deborah? I have one daughter. She's fully grown with her husband and they live out in the DC area, but I have five. Yes. So one daughter and five grandchildren. Uh-huh. All right. So I am, I got intrigued to have this conversation with you because I've seen the happy pictures of your family, your growing family on Facebook. And I have friends who have a couple of friends who've just had their second baby and close. They had their children close Uh in ages. And there have been some unhappy times. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yes. So I asked you to join me in this conversation to help parents and probably teachers in that transition period. So the first question I want to ask you, and I have several questions. Is there any real way that we can prepare young children, two, three, four, five, maybe even six-year-olds, really for the arrival of a new all-consuming baby in the house? (laughs) Well, I think that a lot of that you have to navigate as you go along. But I do think there are ways that you can help the children prepare for a newbie coming into the household. Um, And depending on the age of the children, the older siblings, it's going to change what your your expectations should be but we have um like i said five grandchildren the oldest is eight years old and the youngest was just born a few weeks a few weeks ago so this is very fresh in my mind and i've been asking my daughter some questions about this as uh in preparation for today just to make sure i'm on the same page as her (laughs) because her children um have handled 
the the new um we have a two-year-old they handled him really well and now the new baby's in and um it's just really been fun to watch them integrate a new a new one into the household yeah yeah so she what did she do to prepare or or it's just all the older kids help the two-year-old or well um so when so there's lots of different things that she does, but one of the first things is while the baby is still in the womb, mm-hmm. um, they always have a name picked out pretty early and they let the kids participate in picking the name. They don't necessarily choose the name the kids choose. I mean, cause I think my grandson chose Eagle one time and, <laughs> but they have a lot of fun with choosing the name. Um, and, and then they kind of decided early. So right now the new baby is Max. And they referred to Max all the time, you know, and they will play games at the table like, who thinks Max's eyes are going to look like their eyes? And who's got, who thinks Max's going to have your color hair? And, um, and so they played a lot of, their, her husband's big on games with the kids. So a lot of, who thinks Max is going to look like this? Or Max will have this? Or will Max be tall? And let them sort of build a vision of what they think Max is going to look like. So he's already a person before he ever comes. Uh-huh. Um, and a person that they've talked about a lot, that they've heard of a lot, that's constantly um, being um, a part of this family that, you know, that they're clearing the space for in the kids' minds. And mm-hmm. so when he comes, he's not, oh, well, where did this come from? This was right. actually a part of his, um, you know, their, their, their thinking. It was already in, 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 in the thinking. Very so, so important. And also from what you said, I've never heard that kind of a suggestion and I love it. What they're doing is relating their own, what they own about themselves as also sharing it with this new person that's coming into their lives. Exactly. So- and it was, it's very um, effective in that, especially for the children, the, the six, uh, six, we have a five-year-old, seven-year-old and eight-year-old. And the five-year-old, seven-year-old, and eight-year-old really, you know, like to visualize what they think Max will look like, how big he'll be, what his name's going to be, and how much they're going to have in common. So they're basically trying to create this sense of, we're going to have a lot of things in common with Max, and it won't be something that um, is new to them. Another thing that she does is... um, because Max is in her tummy and he's growing in the last month, he was just, you know, so big on her tummy, but she's very open with them, allowing them to touch her tummy, to feel Max move. Um, she did show some pictures of Max from the womb um, to her children. Her five-year-old daughter said that Max looked like an alien. She wasn't too impressed with the picture. She didn't like actually like them. <laughs> she's like, I- what's wrong with him mom you know yeah, yeah. and he had you know yeah you can still see through his skin that's so gross yeah and so yeah. but just <laughs> you know um just talking uh they max was a part of their conversations pretty much all the time it wasn't something that was just mom and baby it was um you know there was just a part of the conversation feeling a move um her talking openly you know, using some discretion about how she's, you know, Max is making me feel uncomfortable today. He's pushing on my side. I'm going to have sure. to shift. And um, letting the, just constantly making this awareness that Max was a person that was getting ready to come in their lives, but that he was really already in their lives. Perfect. Perfect. Now, how did all of this? So the two-year-old, 
is listening to all of this, but not really engaging so much in the conversation. So um, now the but, two-year-old is engaging by being hands-on. So she, sure. she like he would like to kiss her tummy. She's like, you want to kiss Max night night? And then he would kiss her tummy. How much he fully understood is, you know, obviously probably not really known, but he knew a name. He knew um, that mommy had a baby and he knew that, uh, the baby was in the tummy and he would give, you know, lots of pats on the tummy and she would say, Oh, we got to pat him gently. And so she was already teaching him from her, you know, by allowing her, like when he would touch her or play around her, Oh, it can't be rough because it could hurt Max, you know, instead yeah. of hurt mommy, you might hurt Max. Oh. So it was already focused on, you know, being aware that there's, there's a baby here and that we want to be gentle and we want to love him. And Max loves you so much. Let's give him a kiss. And, uh, that Max was loving him, that it wasn't just all one yes. way, that was both ways. Uh, a lot of conversation, just natural all the time. She was always aware of just creating this sense of awareness of Max with the two-year-old. I love it. I love that. Now, I have a couple of at least two friends that I can think of um, that have kind of motivated this conversation for me that have um, one has a two-and-a-half or three-year-old and another has a four-year-old. And they've had some adjustment issues and totally loving parents. I don't know if the parents had all of those wonderful approaches that you're just now suggesting to us, but um, there have been some issues of, of the kids, you know, maybe even when mom and dad aren't looking is uh, letting the little baby know that <laughs> life was better before that kid showed up. So uh, what do you suggest for those kinds of responses from the the older sibling? Well, first, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't go down the path of thinking that the child is mad at the baby. The child is mad at the situation, and I think it's really important to differentiate between the two. Beautiful. Um, because if you if you start to say, "Oh, he doesn't like the baby," or "He's mean to the baby," and all of, and and you're, and you're like fo- focusing the child's attention on their relationship with the baby at this point that they're, they're, they're not able to process this. And so really what they're mad at is, is, or they're frustrated with is a change in their own life that they're feeling an effect by maybe less attention for mom or shared attention for mom. And there's a natural regression that can take place. Even with our, with all of the prep, um, Quinn, our two-year-old, whenever mom would go down the stairs with Max after, so when the baby was born, all the grandparents were there and Quinn was getting a lot of attention. So he wasn't feeling the effect of what it would really be like yet when it's just mom and baby and him at home. And once we left, then Kara wrote me and said, or texted me and said, mom, this morning I was coming down the stairs with Max and the baby and Quinn refused to come down the stairs unless I carried him too. And he stood at the top of the stairs screaming uh-huh. because I wouldn't pick him up and bring him down. And I had to go back up and get him, you know, and she's more like just telling me these adventures and she sees them all as adventures of, of navigating this. She doesn't, but one of the things she pointed out and she says, you know, it's really interesting because he clearly loves Max. He's, um, he's gentle to Max. He's still doing all the things they have talked about before. Yes. But he's, but when he's mad, he's not mad about Max. He's mad about his his circumstance, what's changed in his life, and go. not being carried. And I think 
the reason I say this is because I think I, I hear a lot of parents say, oh, my child doesn't like the baby or is mean to the baby or whatever. And I don't think that's what's happening. I think they're just frustrated in the change in their circumstance. So when you're talking to them, I wouldn't bring up, I wouldn't always bring it to the baby. I would bring it to, this is between you and me. This is something that you and I need to work out. This is something that we need to help you with. Um, yes, I don't, I'm not carrying you as much or yes. And, and acknowledge that, you know, their frustration and it's about you have changed. So the baby didn't really change anything. You probably had have changed Mm -hmm. in your relationship with this two or three year old, maybe Mm -hmm. not even realizing it. Mm -hmm. And, and also because you of necessity, you have this baby to care for. Right. So, yes, you don't want to leave the baby laying on the ground. Even with Quinn, we wouldn't leave the baby laying on the bed because Quinn would, would probably uh, seriously injure this baby just because he's too loving, maybe. But right. Um, right. So, whether, so that's a natural, you know, you want to make sure the baby's in a safe place and not do things that would put the baby at risk. But with the older child, um, understand that they've had a change in their life. And that change, if something else had happened, someone had died or a, 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 they didn't, they got it, brought, brought in a new puppy or they, um, or um, anything like that, you would be focused on that child's um, processing and how they can cope with their new circumstance um, and not so much on the baby. But for some reason, we bring a baby in and we start thinking the child doesn't like the baby and we kind of facilitate that thinking. Um, even with a child. So I would really stay away from that. Uh huh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yes. And how do you ever see any of this in your wonderful preschool settings? Do you see older siblings? Maybe, maybe you, the younger sibling doesn't come into the school, but the older sibling in your preschool, ha- do they change it all after they've had a new baby in their lives? Um, we've seen all kinds of impact. Um, we, mm. when baby's born, we've seen some who, um, maybe act out a little bit more. We've also seen some who start to become more gentle because they're seeing that modeled more at home. Mm. So we've seen it go in different directions. We've had mm-hmm. some who are, um, more anxious and others, you know, who develop, who, who, who show more anxiety, um, and others who, come in and they're more nurturing because they see mom being nurturing. I think the more that it's a lot, it's hard on moms to have to sit down and then the two-year-old climbs up and they have to let the two-year-old hold the baby with your help, obviously, and uh, maybe help bathe the baby or change the diaper. But the more that, so in our two-year-old case, he's going to come in and want to do something for about 30 seconds and then be satisfied. Right. And Instead of pushing that away, because no, not right now, she, she's very good about, the only rule really is don't kiss the face all the time. Kiss the feet or kiss the tummy, you know, especially with them being so little. Um, because. And, and so that we don't get germs and stuff in his face all the time. And so uh-huh. she just wants them to, so she'll encourage them to, you know, kiss his tummy. And I, I'll sit there and watch her and I am not as patient because I would be like, no, you need to go play right now. He needs his rest or he's like, I would constantly be sending them away because it's stressful to me. Yeah. But she doesn't do that. She very welcomes them into his world and yeah. lets them interact. And, and even if it's for a few seconds here and there, 
even if it disrupts the baby a little bit for a minute. Now, if he's in a good sound sleep, she's going to shut the door and say everybody out. But if, if right. it's just, you know, more like we're changing the diaper and it's making the baby a little frustrated to have the sibling in the space, she's going to help everybody, the baby and the sibling, negotiate that and let it happen instead of pushing the child away, the older child saying, not right now, not right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way... The child satisfies that need to be involved and feels like, oh, but then they're not really that interested to stay involved. Then they take off and do the very thing I would have wanted them to do in the first place. And they go off and play. And so now there is some regression with Quinn. You know, he wants mom in the room with him more um, to play where before he would go off and play on his own a little more. And I think that some of the things are just being patient, letting them understanding they're navigating this new experience and um, need a little time to navigate and in the process um, making sure you're also very inclusive in the care of the baby at whatever level you can um, so that they are building that bond and that relationship and not being constantly separated from building that bond and that relationship. So important. And it has to, and then the mom has to take care of herself too. (laughs) Yes, moms, you know, they're going to get the raw end of the stick right now, but it's not, I mean, I know it's a lot easier for me to say this than it is in reality, but um, the more that they can know that this isn't forever, this particular circumstance, it's going to change and it's going to change quickly. Um, And if they can kind of keep that perspective and say, when something's frustrating, say, I'm so thankful this isn't going to be like this forever and believe (laughs) that it's not going to be like this forever. Of course. And give themselves a little encouraging self-talk. Um, and, uh, um, and where they need a break, if they have a grandma or they have a friend that can come in and either play with a two-year-old or give them a little break, then do take the break, you know? So, yes, of course. um, it's always a balancing act, but it's normal for the older child, three, two, three, and four to have some regression. They start to, you know, the baby starts, they'll start maybe talking like a baby. They might start acting out a little more. This isn't a sign that this is how they are forever going to be. And it is not a sign of whether or not they love their sibling. It is a, a form of, of coping and releasing anxiety and, and adjusting to this new experience in their household. Uh, that's a gem of, of insight uh, and experience that you're sharing because I think, you know, a mother sees that. And just kind of panics. I, I know I've seen that in my friends. So <clears throat> that's really, really good to hear. Did we did we explore enough of what happens when these kids, these older siblings come into your preschool and uh, they're manifesting this anxiety or this hypersensitivity, the other characteristics that you explained that are changes that, that don't seem so happy? How do you and your teachers help the kids through that or can you, or do you talk to the parents or what, what do you do? How do you help with that? Well, most of the time it's very short lived and it's not very, it's not extreme. It's noticeable. Um, if we didn't know they had a new baby at home, we might not know what's going on. We, but we would know that there's been something that's changed. Uh-huh. Um, but what usually we obviously do find out that there's a new baby coming or a new baby there. Sure. Um, but we just work on, when they come to school, getting them into a routine as possible, um, what they've been, what we had before, 
So when they come to school, that daily routine of, you know, I sign in and I, I go put my things in my cubby and then I go join the circle and I, and we do our story. And the more that they can just kind of stay in that routine, the more they feel like it's kind of empowering. They know what to expect. They know what's next. They, it feels familiar. There's no real change. There's no real difference. And so they, they start to come to school and it's kind of a reprieve. Yeah. So using school as a reprieve from, um, from the big change at home and then we'll go back home and, 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 and and now we're on mom's, it's mom's turn to figure it out from home. (laughs) Uh, But again, because we find that routine is very helpful. Routine at home is probably also very helpful. Kara found that once all the grandparents left and the kids got back to school because it was holidays, it was felt so hectic to her. But once everybody left and the older kids went to school, she said, and we got to spend the next three or four days getting into a routine, get up, have breakfast, have a bath. And once that routine at home began, it began to help the older child um, feel a sense of control as well, because this is what's next. And so if you, you know, you want to as quickly as possible develop a routine that the, that the younger child or the older sibling um, knows, uh, like, there's already enough change. So let's get them into a routine that allows them to go from one thing to the next throughout their day as much as possible without constantly completely undermining all routine right now. You want as much routine as possible for the first few weeks. Absolutely makes so much sense. Uh, That's brilliant. Now I have one more question, I think, that I want to say it in the right way so I don't sound like a horrible person. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And I'm going to cough first. I'm sorry. Um, Is there ever a time that you've noticed an older sibling, perhaps, um, this is an uncomfortable word, perhaps manipulating a parent a little bit when that older sibling saw what kind of a reaction he or she was getting? Um, Like, would they, you know, then they'd suddenly get more attention because the younger, the baby was getting so much. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. Okay. And that, and that would be, you know, that would be true in any situation. So again, I want to separate the baby from the situation because, okay. um, because the, when a child is acting out or, and, and finds that they get attention by acting out in any, yep. in any way, they're going to continue and they get the kind of negative or positive attention. It reinforces that behavior. Sure. And so, um, because a new baby has come in and, and they're maybe feeling a sense of anxiety or a tug of war with getting your attention, they're going to experiment a little bit. They're going to test you and try you in different ways to get that attention. And so that's why um, bringing in a routine, helping the child be a part of what you're doing and not separate from, um, keeping the child um, uh in, in the know and the, you know, in the know of this is what we're doing and why we're doing it. And this is where we're going. And this is asking them questions. Do you think, um, and, and then, and then investing, you know, taking time out in a very difficult circumstance to just be about that child in, in positive ways. So, you know, um, maybe at the table, the child always set, um, 
you know, across from you at dinner. Maybe you move the child next to you and say, you know, I, I don't get to sit close to you enough. Come sit really close to mom and let's sit together. You know, things that just make that a warm, fuzzy experience uh, that would be, you're just a, a little step above in little ways it can help that child feel like, oh, you know, we still are, you know, I'm still your baby too. And that's okay. Don't all of a sudden say, well, you're the big kid. You need right. to act like the big kid because that's really, um, you wouldn't have said that two weeks before. So why right. saying it now? Right. So unless yeah. you've, if you've been saying it all along, then that's one thing. But if you've never said that, just because a new baby came in didn't change anything. They're still the same child they were two weeks earlier or one week sure. earlier. So in fact, they, there's, there may be even more so where they are. So I think bringing them in a little closer, giving a little extra snugs, saying maybe reading an extra story at nighttime. Um, you've got to, you've got, if you have two little ones close together. So Kara's kids were one, two, and three, three years old when they were born. Oh, oh, and geez. so, you know, so it was constant, you know, but because they were born so close together, they don't know any other way of life. They've always had a sibling in their mind. You know, they don't, they didn't swear. Quinn had two years of being kind of the baby and now has a new sibling. I think uh, that's almost harder than the ones that were born. Boom, boom, boom. Yes. And so it, a lot of it depends on each child, where they are in the family dynamics, how many years have gone, how old they are before a new child comes in. But sure. Quinn, you know, just being, because even Quinn overnight, I saw Kara go from, you could feel it that there was a new baby and that Quinn was the baby. And now all of a sudden he's having to re-navigate what his role in the family is. And Kara's starting to recognize that. So we don't always recognize it until we're in the middle of it and her being like, Oh, so just taking, you know, being more snuggly, come up and sit close to mommy, you know, let's watch this movie. Why don't you sit in my lap? Where normally she wouldn't have ever said that. She's now yes. saying, you know, I don't get to hug you. Come sit in my lap, you know, oh, and that sort of thing. I love that. Oh, I wish you could see how big my smile is now. <laughs> These are wonderful gifts of, of wisdom and insight. Thank you, Deborah. Um, you are a highly respected educator, early mm -hmm. childhood educator. How mm -hmm. can people uh, learn more about what you are offering well, so we have a blog or I have a blog called, I would say we, I don't know why. It's like I have a mouse in my pocket, but I have a blog called <laughs> Teach Preschool. It sounds so egotistical to say I. I know, I know. And it's yeah. called teachpreschool.org, Teach Preschool. And we're on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and uh, LinkedIn. But you can just go to the Teach Preschool blog. And then periodically we offer different courses like um, for either teachers in the early childhood classroom. And sometimes we are offering courses for parents about helping their children prepare for kindergarten. So they're usually three to five before they would have their child at age three to five before they would want to join that program. And as we have openings, we post it on the blog or they can sign up for our email list and we send a notice out by email. Um, so those are basically what we do, but the blog is the place to come if you want to just get some inspiration or some feedback on things that we're constantly writing about and talking about. We try to update that every week with new information. And there's about 1,200 articles on there because it's been going for a really long time. Obviously. Wow. So um, that's the best place. Just go to teachpreschool.org and connect with me there through either email or just um, by um, 
um, following that blog. So we try to keep that up to date. And um, yeah. Good. Perfect. Thank you. And I'll put that in the show's notes as well, all that information. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, I, it's doing a favor for all the listeners. I mean, <laughs> I'm happy to do that. All right, Deborah. Well, we're going to stay in touch. And thank you again. Thank you. It was great talking with you. You too, Deborah. Bye-bye. Bye. Want to learn more from Deborah? Check out her website, teachpreschool.org. And if you haven't already, please like the Facebook page for this, the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast. We're starting to build a community of like-minded early childhood educators there. And one of my top priorities for this year is to strengthen our community around the values that motivate us to keep growing ourselves, our knowledge, and our skills for the ever-increasing benefit of our young students. Thank you for being here, really. Thank you.